It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today with special guest Daniel McGinty about love and family. Thank you, Gabby. This is Evelyn Davison in the studio today and just uh, pressing toward good times and uh, a great uh, time with our guests that we're going to have today. Uh, we um, want to thank you for joining us and um, the we're proud to be here, not only on the bridge, but through several other radio stations. And, uh, you know, thank you um, for all that the communication that comes into our programming. And in the studio with me, of course, is our good friend, Miss Carrie Brinkater. Oh, hi, Miss Evelyn. It is great to see you today. Of course, opening the show today, friends, Evelyn Davison, our first lady of love, 35 years of love talk. And we are so grateful and thankful that you have joined us today, building bridges of love and leadership here at KTXW, The Bridge, Austin. And of course, on the line, we have our beautiful friend, Kathy Underbrock. Hey, Kath. Hi. Good morning, uh, Coach Carrie and Miss Evelyn. Happy Saturday morning, friends. I tell you, it's a good time to be alive, and we are happy to have you with us this morning. So I hope you are grabbing your coffee and get ready, getting ready to love talk with us. I'm excited about today's show, Carrie. I know. Me too, Kathy. What a great series that we are in, our Love Season Series. Tell us more about today's show, Kath. Okay, well, I love that God's Word teaches us so much about love, what it looks like, where it comes from, how to get it. We want to know how to get that love. And one of my favorite things about God's love that he talks about in his Word that is unlike anything else is that it can accomplish the impossible. God says perfect love casts out fear. And Carrie, Miss Evelyn, there is nothing else I know that can do this. And friends, I just want to tell you, as you are tuning in this morning, whether you are live streaming or you have that radio dial uh, turned to 101.1, I want to tell you that if you are feeling, if you're in a place of fear, this is a love that you want to press into. Um, his love for us is perfect. His arm to save is long. And, you know, like King David, Coach Kerry, I think about King, King David in Psalm mm-hmm. 46, Just like him, we can declare God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in times of trouble, and therefore we will not fear. And so times right now, it can, they can be strange and unexpected, but we do not need to be living in a place of fear. So friends, let's put ourselves smack dab in the middle of God's love this morning and say goodbye to fear. We have a great program. We're going to be talking about this and we have a friend with us, um, in studio who is one of the authors for Miss Evelyn's book, Love Walking and Love Talking. His chapter is titled, to love is to be present. And we're grateful that our guest is present with us today, and we're going to introduce him in a moment. Coach Carey, Miss Evelyn, I'm interested to know what you all have been doing this week. Working hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, it just gets bigger and bigger, and I've, I've got some... Uh, you know, health issues that I'm dealing with, and we're going to do some correction, I hope, in that area. But I'm about, I have three different sizes of clothes in my closet. <laughs> Just like every woman listening to this show, Miss Evelyn. And, you know, it, it came, and Kathy will remember this, from television. We used to take the television, and you know you wear something one time, and then you don't get to wear that anymore. You put it in that closet in case somebody comes along and needs something. But that's been one of the things this week. And the other thing is... Um, just trying to get uh, some activities lined up regarding our new book, Love Talking. And Love Walking. And that's laughter included. Sometimes mm-hmm. we think we got to be just so, you know, solemn when we go before the Lord. But he sits back and laughs, and so we should also. But um, we have an upcoming uh, doctor's appointment that's going to correct some issues that I have. And I may be off for a couple of Saturdays, but I'll be listening to Love Talk. Oh, Miss Evelyn, you know, friends, I I just, I know I say this all the time, and if you've listened to the, ever listened to the show, you've probably heard this, but at 89 years old, Miss Evelyn can get more done in a day than I feel like I can accomplish in a month. She just (laughs) loves the Lord so much, and everything she does 
is with joy and grace and gratitude for another day of living and telling others about Jesus. Like the Energizer Bunny. Absolutely, she is. And I just love that about you, Miss Evelyn. You just exude joy and happiness. And it's just such a blessing to me uh, that your book is fantastic. Love talking and love walking. If you'd like to get a copy of that, call us on the love line at 512-249-6535. We will hook you up with that with no problem. I tell you what, Miss Evelyn, it's weird this year. You know, we're starting school soon. Um, and for my kids, they are actually going back to the classroom and uh, everything will kind of be the status quo with mask on. They're going to do the same things they've always done at school, instruction with teachers in a classroom. Um, and so it's exciting uh, for, for the kids. I don't know. You know, they've been out of school, quote, unquote, for so long. Um, I think it's going to jar their routine just a little bit. Oh, they, they probably think they've grown up now. They make their own decisions. Miss Evelyn, are you living in my house? That is exactly <laughs> no, right. I've been there twice. Oh, my God. Yeah, ready stars. to emancipate, you know. Yes, that's right. I mean, a 15 and 16 year old last night, my daughter got home from work, you know, at about midnight and uh, we just have to have this long conversation about uh, hours that she can work during school because she's also an athlete, but she loves to work. Bless her sweetheart. I just love it. I love that she's so driven and, and wants to do those things. My son and I, we spent uh, goodness, hours and hours and hours at our school this past week volunteering, mowing grass and, you Mom, know, making things look nice and weeding flower beds and all the things. So it's been a fantastic week. Uh, what about you, Kath? What's been going on in your world? I love it, Carrie, when you talk about we're just doing all the things mm-hmm. because sometimes that's what I feel like. It's like, well, what are you what are you doing lately? And I'm like, well, just all the things. All the you things. Know? That's it's, right. I'm just doing all the things. Yeah. We, you know, summer is coming to a close. We are uh, getting ready to jump in the car. Well, Eric will be jumping in the car Ooh. and driving Aaliyah back to Baylor. She's very excited to get back there with her professors and her friends and get back into the lab and start exploring some more into just what God would would reveal to her in uh, chemistry and biochemistry and um, she's so excited she got to teach a chemistry class this summer and she was wondering what to do because all of the internships kind of just evaporated and you know those kind of went away really quick with all of this COVID stuff and so she was trying to figure out what to do with her summer and she called her um, her mentor her former um uh, science teacher. He's the uh, chair of the of the school that she attended, that she graduated from, and she just said, "Hey, this is kind of where I'm at. I, I just want to do something with my summer." And he said, "Well, you know, I've always wanted to offer a summer chemistry course for all of the incoming tenth uh, and eleventh graders, so that they could kind of get a foot up on all of these really difficult principles." And especially with the dual credit chemistry course that gets offered, you know, it's it, the kids kind of struggle to do well because there's so many really important chem, um, important principles. And so uh, Aaliyah thought, well, yeah, that sounds great. And she didn't realize at the time, but he had intended for her to develop the curriculum, develop the class materials, oh, wow. uh, you know, basically develop the entire summer course. Wow. And so she did it and she loved it. Aww. And her kids were amazing. She had 13 students come through the program and she loved it. And the very last day she had put together um, a an escape room where the kids ha- had to um, solve all of these things in order to keep the lab from blowing up. And the lab was Dr. K.A. Boom's lab. Oh, my so, goodness. Anyway, she K-Booms. had a great time. And so we're just getting ready for her to go back to school. The girls are, you know, um, back in sports and doing their practices Jordan just tried out for the varsity volleyball team and was very excited to make it and so excited about the, the team. And um, Faithy, you know, Coach Carrie, as you know, she's a basketballer. And yeah, so my Faithy girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has an upcoming tournament down in Salt Lake. She's looking the last tournament was canceled literally the day before the tournament. So she's hoping she's going to get mm-hmm. to do uh, this one. And, you know, I'll tell you, I want to tell you this. I want to share something with you at a restaurant last night. Um the girls and a few family members, we went out to this restaurant 
And across from us, there was a table and this older couple just suddenly got up and left out, out of nowhere. I mean, they just got up and left and there were two glasses of red wine on the table. And we thought, oh, my goodness, surely they just didn't do a runner on the on the uh, waitress. And we thought, no, because their plates are full of food. And, you know, but they uh, what, what just happened? And so the waitress was going over and started to clean up the table and um I called her over and I said, I'm so sorry, but what just happened to that couple? And she said the woman had an anxiety attack and just oh. had to leave. Oh. And I thought, oh, Lord, please help us. You know, I mean, we mm. there are, um, you know, suicide rates are up and fear is just getting a hold of people's hearts. And friends, we are not meant to live in a place of fear. So mm. I'm just so excited about today's program. Do we have time, uh, Carrie, to introduce our guests before we go to break? Absolutely, Kathy. Go ahead. You've heard Daniel's voice a little bit, guests, but Kathy, I'll tell you more about him. Okay. Well, so I want to, before I introduce our guest, I want to tell you our key verse because friends, I love this verse. I love this promise that God gives us in Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. And so friends, I hope that today's program will be that for you, that God will reveal great and mighty things that maybe sitting here right now, you don't know. And if you're in a place of fear, I want at the end of the program for you no longer to be sitting in a place of fear. Well, um, so our, our special guest, our special guest is uh, Daniel McGinty. He's a good old Texas boy. He was born in <laughs> Houston, Texas, but he grew up in Japan. So he has some really incredible experiences. He was the son of church planting ministries. He gave his life to Christ at age five um, and felt a calling to mission at age 12. By the time he was a senior in high school, Daniel was already preaching and running various student ministries. He decided to pursue youth ministry as a career in college. And now while studying youth ministry at college, Daniel discovered a passion and a great proficiency for graphic design, video production, and newspaper production. How cool is that? <laughs> he received a, a Bachelor of Science in both youth ministry and Bible from Columbia International University in 2004. And in 2009, uh, 11 years ago, Daniel married Brooke. And I think he's going to maybe share with us a little bit about Brooke in a moment. They now Absolutely. have two daughters and two sons, so a very full family to keep him busy Daniel is the singles and youth and young adults pastor at First Baptist Church, along with a host of other things we've been hearing. Daniel McGinty, welcome to Love Talk. Thank you for being with us today. Hey, it's great to be here, and I really appreciate you all having me. Well, it's nice to have a male in the studio. You know, sometimes the estrogen in here gets a little high. I'm still outnumbered, though, unless we count Gavin, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Our excellent producer, Gavin. Um, Welcome to Love Talk, Daniel. It's great to meet you. Uh, You know, reading your story in Miss Evelyn's book, Love Talking and Love Walking, very, very inspirational. You know, before we get into your story, you were telling us um, off camera, off air, that, uh, you know, your title at First Baptist Church Pflugerville is a little misleading um, <laughs> because it, your title is Singles and Youth Pastor, but you're doing so many other things there. Let, let us know everything that, well, not everything, but maybe some other uh, duties I take a that long, you have there. deep breath. <laughs> the the, the all-in pastor, what you got? Well, as, as pastors, we all kind of have to wear multiple hats, and I quite literally mm-hmm. sometimes wear multiple hats. Um, but I can't help my dad jokes once in a while. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, I, I help out with um, managing all of our volunteers on Sunday morning. I call them our, our people moving plan because people have to come in and make sure things are safe mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, and welcoming still. And so mm-hmm. we've had to come up with all these plans for that. It's kind of fallen on me to make sure our Sunday morning experience goes well. And our volunteers are awesome. They do a great job just making people people feel like they're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach a new members class whenever I get to do that again, <laughs> get to have <laughs> small groups and small spaces. Uh, I've got to figure out how to do that virtually. Uh, right. But I manage all of our online content. I produce all of our videos. I do our video announcements, script, produce, write, I guess, star, if you want to call it that. Um, manage, I manage our website, all of our social media. So it, it, 
it it's a lot. <laughs> you got a full plate, Daniel. Yeah. You got a full plate. Well, I tell you, friends, it's it's such a delight. You know, before the show starts, we always get to chat with our guests, and even though we've spoken, you know, via text or email or on the phone, it's nice to meet people that we haven't met before. And you are going to absolutely love Daniel. He has a very unique story. And remember, the title of our show today is "Love Is Present." We'll find out how Daniel grew up in Japan, feeling a little bit disconnected at times from his parents and his family when we return to Love Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You have found Love Talk (laughs) and the love ladies. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkater, and of course, on the line, we've got our beautiful friend Kathy Enderbrock, and in studio with me is the beautiful Evelyn Davison, our First Lady of Love. We welcome you back to Love Talk. We have a very special guest today, Daniel McGinty. He is the Singles and Youth Adult uh, sorry, the singles and young adult pastor at First Baptist Church Pflugerville wears many hats at that church, as do all ministers. Um, we're so grateful that he is in studio with us today. Now, uh, Miss Evelyn, you have known Daniel for a long time and uh, know that you, uh, how, how did you guys meet, actually? Did y'all just meet at church? I had a friend. I was doing a uh, personality conference uh, at the church and uh, had a friend that uh, a staff member that brought him by to see what we were doing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Matt Downing introduced me to you, and uh, that was actually before I came on staff. I was visiting. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, that was kind of cool. That's and fun. We said, "Where'd you come from, and where are you going?" <laughs> <laughs> I you guess know. I'm going to end up being here. <laughs> that's great. That's great. But, you know, when you look at it, uh, it is the most exciting thing in life is to be in a position or a place of grace mm. where you can serve him and, mm. and help and serve others. And you are so good at that. Well, thank you, Ms. Evelyn. I appreciate that. You know, I have to punch him every Sunday and see if he's alive. <laughs> she, gave a, she gave me a whap from my rear end with her new book a couple Sundays ago. Said, hey, good to see you too. <laughs> oh, Miss Evelyn. Well, we know uh, that you love the Lord and you are serving just beautifully. And, and to have you here this morning and... All that's going on is just really a blessing for me, and I want to thank you for coming. I, you know, I know uh, from personal experience uh, a lot about you, uh, but we have listeners that are are listening and looking, and uh, I want us to talk a little bit about um, how how you came to know that Jesus loves you. Our, our theme here is love. How did you know? He I didn't loves know the you? theme was love. Is that I haven't heard that once this entire time. <laughs> Sorry, pardon my my uh, sarcasm gotcha, there. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll give you a whop. <laughs> Watch out. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I was very fortunate. One, my parents were missionaries, and so I got to witness them share that love with other people and love on them and share the gospel. Uh, when I was home, a lot of times I remember my dad would take me with him to pass out tracts. Um, we would, sometimes we even lived in the church, you know, just because the way the house churches worked and whatnot. So I got to watch them share God's love. But I also, even though I had to go to boarding school, which is what most missionary kids had to do in the circumstances, when I was home, I felt loved. Mm-hmm. And even when I wasn't there, I felt loved by them as well. You know, they'd write postcards. We talked on the phone. This is before social media, video calling, all these things, of course, mm-hmm. you know, in the eighties. Um, but when I was home, I never felt like I had to compete for their attention with the ministry. They always made sure to prioritize us when we were there. And they would even, I remember before, like a couple of days before I had to go to boarding school, my dad would do this thing called Daniel Day, where he would let me choose what I wanted to do that day. And we'd spend the whole day just going off and doing something. Aww. And uh, my, my go-to was always going to the science museum. I loved the science museum. That was like my jam. Wow. <laughs> know, I'm flashing my nerd card here. Yes. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, sure. wow. Now, how old were you when you accepted Christ as your Savior? I was five years old, and I actually remember it very distinctly. It was actually when my parents were subbing as the dorm parents for the boarding school mm-hmm. that I would go to the next year. We were lying in my bedroom, and my mom reading from this, like, illustrated Bible, and it was the story of the cross, and she showed the story, and I I remember praying to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and really understanding sort of the weight of my sin and my need for the cross. like mm-hmm. I'm, But there was also a sense of like this fear being lifted, mm-hmm. which was really cool because we had these, no air conditioning, right, in this like old rickety building in Japan. 
but we had these screened windows to let the air kind of come through at night and whatnot. But a lot of them had these huge holes in them. And so, like, hornets would fly in and, <laughs> and like, spiders would build a webs in the holes of the screen. Kind of defeats the purpose. I know, right? I know. Yeah. But they would sometimes sneak in the room. And, like, so I'd sleep under my covers, my head under my covers almost every night. But that night, I remember feeling not afraid and sleeping with my head above oh, the covers, just having a sense of peace and assurance. I know, like, mm-hmm. as a kid, it's just it's kind of silly, but that's what I remember. Wow. Well, you know, that's how Kathy opened the show today, you know, talking about there's so many people right now living in fear. Right. Um. Right. You know, fear of going out, fear of sending kids to school. And I, I'm not going to say these are unwarranted fears. Mm. Right. I mean, we, we all have a level of comfort or discomfort with what's going on right now, not only with this virus, but politically and, you know, all of the things that are going on. But to hear you say that that night you remember as a five year old child just feeling fearless mm-hmm. um, with Jesus right there by your side. That's pretty cool, Daniel. Um, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of memories from when I was five. I don't pre- either. That's like, right? that's- remember that and an earthquake where all my transformers were rolling from one side of the room oh, to the no. other. Oh, you know? <laughs> well, no. Well, right, defining moments in your life, right? Accepting Christ and tra- and your precious transformers. Oh, and I also step. remember falling off a cliff when I was, th- when I was five. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was crazy. I've almost died like nine times. Like, no joke. Where were you in Japan at that time? Uh, at the time when I fell off the cliff, mm-hmm. uh, it was in northern Japan, the northern. island of Hokkaido. Uh, yeah. I believe it was, mm-hmm. I can't remember, it was near like Doya, I, I think yeah. it was near this big volcano. Van was in the Navy, uh, and he was stationed in Japan. That's right. Was he in Okinawa? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, now, did you live there that your whole your whole growing up years? Pretty much. Like So okay. every four years, we come back to Houston, Texas, where our ascending church was. Okay. Cypress Bible Church. I want to give them a little shout out. They okay. supported my parents and many other supporting churches, too. But that was our home base. Awesome people. Great people. They really just, man, we wouldn't. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that church. Mm-hmm. They were our home where base. Where are they located? They're in Cypress, Houston, oh, in the okay, Houston area, so Cypress, Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so, uh, so when you were growing up, your parents had to make... A hard choice, um, but probably the only choice that they felt that they really had was to send you to boarding school at a very young age. Yeah. Um, you said um, you accepted Christ shortly before you went to boarding school mm-hmm. at age six. There must have been feelings of trepidation and <laughs> being away from your parents so young. I And I can't imagine how your parents felt about that. I, I mean, that... Thinking about my kids going to college rips my gut yeah, out, right? right? And I hey, college was a breeze for me. I'm sure you've whatever. been away your whole life. I, you know, I, I, I'm sure as a six-year-old, there were a lot of things going through your 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 head. So, how did your family work through those feelings, you as well as your your mom and dad? Man, it's tough. You know, first a little bit, give a little bit of context. You yeah. know, we we think of boarding schools as you, know, you ship your kids off and it's kind of cold and just sort of mechanical. The boarding school that we were a part of was part of our mission organization. So it was like a big family. Mm. All the people in the mission organization, OMF, Overseas Missionary Fellowship, uh, founded by Hudson Taylor, I think like almost 200 years ago, um, which is the first mission organization, actually, overseas-based one. And so it was like a big family. All your friends were there, all the people that, you know, your, your families that were friends with your family. And so it felt like a big, big extended family. And so the level of care and love and trust there was just, outstanding. The people that, that served there, the Ailings when I was there, uh, Gareth and uh, Ruth Ailing, uh, Ruth has now passed on um, to glory, but they just, they loved on us. You know, they gave us their, their full attention. And these, we call them aunties. They were like, you know, single ladies from uh, overseas that served as missionaries just to love on us and help out in any kind of mm-hmm. way we could. Uh, so it's a very different environment. We, you know, we'd have nightly devotions every night, all together singing songs and reading scripture um, we'd have church together, and um, it was just, it was a really, a lot of my most special memories growing up were actually there. Mm-hmm. And do you have sisters or brothers? I or? do. So my sister, I have a, I'm the eldest, and so I have a, a sister, mm-hmm. Megan, who's in the middle, and then my younger brother, Patrick. And they all kind of went through the boarding school system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick did not go through it as much because things actually had to shut down uh, later uh, into things. But... Um, so it was a tough choice for my parents. So as a missionary in a mission field, usually your your education choices are you homeschool, you put them in the local schools, or you put them in a the boarding school. And the problem with homeschooling is that there's no social outlets. It's just you and your family, and that's it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like here, homeschool, like we homeschool our kids, and there's all kinds of opportunities in the mix Absolutely. and make friends and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, or we put them in the, the local schools. And the when you're like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid, mm-hmm. you get bullied a lot. I mean, we don't talk about it much, but I actually experienced quite a bit of racism in Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're walking down the street, a four-lane road, and a kid in, like, the third-story window pointing and yelling at me and saying, Ah, gaijin da! Look, there's a foreigner! You know? Ooh. And so, I mean, it's gotten a lot better. It's not that way anymore, really. But, man, in the 80s, it was bad. It was really mm-hmm. bad. I bet that gives you a lot of empathy for what's going on in our world right now. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to be careful with that because I know it's different, mm-hmm. very different. It is um, different. But I, on a very small level, I kind of get it. In a small way, you kind yeah. of get it. Yeah, but God's given you that insight for mm-hmm. sure. Now tell me about your parents. How did, how, you know, do you remember specifically anything since you were the oldest? Yeah. You know, as they sent you off, do you remember anything from mom or dad that sticks out in your head about kind of how what they were feeling at the time? I know as a child we're not all that yeah. perceptive, but maybe you remember something. I think they try to hide a lot of it from us sure. because if they, I felt like they showed us that they were really upset by it, then we would get really upset by it. Sure. You know, sure. they weren't cold hard about it. You know, they big send offs and farewells. I remember my mom cried every time. I think, um, but I, I, I describe it as being Abrahamic. Mm-hmm. You know, like God called, yeah. you know, Abraham to sacrifice his son. And, you know, and it was a tough choice from the do. You know, it wasn't just about the ministry. They felt like this is the best choice for us. Mm-hmm. They knew that we'd be loved on and cared for and, and would have a really good education in an environment that was God honoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my mom even tried homeschooling me for a stint, like when I was like before going there. Uh, but she's like, you you weren't having it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you're mom. You're not my teacher. And I was I was excited. It was called Chifu School, mm-hmm. um, named after a place in China where the original one was. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to go because it was like perpetual camp. You know, you yeah. stay in like a room with all your friends, and it was fun. And, man, it was, it was a blast. You in the cafeteria. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember missing my parents some, you know, when things were, sometimes were pretty tough. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, uh, we were sort of just – mentally geared for that you know mm-hmm. this is what we did my mom went to a boarding school and she was a missionary kid mm-hmm. so i was like a second generation mm-hmm. uh missionary kid so it was kind of matter of fact yeah it's like this is what we do yeah this is mm-hmm. this is this is what we do All well, right. now i have i have a question because i know daniel that there's a story about a moment when you broke your arm yeah. as a young boy while you were at boarding school and you didn't feel like you could ask your parents to come visit you and I mean, I, I think of the times when I was hurt as a child, and I wanted my mom right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, when I was about eight years old, I fell out of a tree and broke my arm in half. Like it was Ooh. like literally right here, it was hanging. It was like a that. compound fracture. It was, oh, it was, my hand was like hanging here, and it was oh. cracked up here. The doctor says like the worst break you'd ever seen. Oh my gosh! Um, and How so old were you? I was at eight years old. And it was it was about a month from my birthday, so almost nine. And, and so they had to rush me off to the hospital, and I was it was about an hour to the hospital. So I just every mm-hmm. bump was like, oh, oh, this is awful, and uh, I just had to stay overnight in the hospital and that kind of thing. Um, but it was the <laughs> so they give a little. I think we have to recognize like during the, these times, like there is no cell phones, there's no social media, right. there's no texting, there's no not, not even answering machines. And so for them to let my parents know that this happened, like, they would have had to have been home. And they they were usually out all day doing, you know, mission stuff. So they might have found out, like, that night. Wow. Possibly. I don't even know when they were contacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have been contacted after I got back. I have no idea mm-hmm. uh, when they even knew about it. So by the time, you know, for me as a kid, all I know is, like, the first time they probably are knowing about it, when I'm talking to them on the phone, you know, the, the next day. After you've already had surgery. Right. And, yeah. I'm like, well, do you want us to come out there and visit you? And I'm thinking, you know, one, the rules are technically they're not supposed to just drop in, you know, because otherwise it's really hard. And the other kids like, well, well, how come my parents just come come visit? Yeah. And mine were six hours away. But for some kids, their parents are on a different part, different island of Japan, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like, well, I'm, I'm good. You know, I don't you know, I've kind of gone through the worst of it. And I got good support here, and but I'm also thinking, do you guys, if I pull you away, like this is, you've got jobs to do. And here's like a weird like eight year old thinking about this, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't, ha- I don't remember if having the strong feeling like I need you here, mm-hmm. um, because there was a good strong support system there. 
Um, and, you know, it's just, it's very strange for people to think about an eight-year-old not wanting his parents when he's broken his arm. Um, but that had already been there at the boarding school for two years. So I was used to this. Well, but it kind of sounds like you were being more empathetic towards your parents, <laughs> right? Like, oh, gosh, mom, mommy, daddy, I don't want to take you away from your job. That was more of a secondary thought. It was okay. kind of like, well, I'm good. I don't, good. you know, so there's no real big reason for you to drop everything and come here. Mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of a pretty positive kid and uh, sort of like, I, I'll get through this. I'm good. Uh, Sounds so. like very independent as well. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that really took root. I mean, by the time I was in seventh grade, I was in a boarding school in a different place. I mean, I had the management checkbook, all my teacher stuff and homework things and doing my own laundry, you know. So I was kind of raised to be pretty independent in that way in some respects. Like I should have sent my kids to boarding school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally oh, different. I'm kidding. Boarding school I went to is kind of, a, it's kind of an anomaly, you know. I'm totally kidding. He won't let me have Miss okay. <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn, you have a parenting question for Daniel. Yeah, I do. Um, I think your main point is that uh, you are to love someone. Uh, maybe as a child you have a picture that they must be present. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about that. What does that look like for everyday parenting? You know, we are ta- we have parents that listen to us and on, on Saturday and on Monday my phone's ringing and said, what did you mean by this and mm-hmm. what did you mean by that? So, Well, first of all, I am no expert. Everything is sort of like we just kind of trial and error, you know. Like I feel sorry for my oldest Senior kid. Senior living is like that too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go with it. Yeah, I feel sorry. always feel sorry for the oldest. Like you're our guinea pig, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think there's so many times where I can be there but just checked out. Yeah. You know, like I'm thinking about a work thing or something else that's going on. So I think a big for me thing personally is removing distractions, you know, just sitting down and playing with them Mm -hmm. and put the phone away. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife, Brooke, always has to remind me of this, like, leave your phone downstairs. It's okay. Like, you don't have to handle this or do this right now. Just play with the kids. Mm -hmm. And because even if I can be playing with the kids and the phone nearby, I might get distracted or say, I just hold on, I need to handle this text message or I need to manage the social media thing I forgot. Um but to just sit down and play with them and be present with what they want to do, it's hard for me. I get easily distracted, and I want to handle things right away because I know I'll forget to do it later. <laughs> it's, you know, You'll be a bad daddy. Yeah, <laughs> right. So that's a big one for me. Also, just taking the time to listen to them. Oosh. When I'm when I'm like impatient or frustrated with them and they're trying to explain something to them, I just want to fix the problem and just let's mm-hmm. move forward. But just taking a deep breath and say, okay, what's really going on? Mm-hmm. You know, taking a deep breath and saying, what are you really afraid of? Like, why do you not want to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to sort of go against my nature to kind of just, I want to get things done, move forward, handle the problem, and just listen to them. So, well, that's why you stand before the Lord Jesus. Yeah. That's exactly the position that we have. Be still and know that I'm God, right? Like, that's just right. listen. Mm. You know, I you know t- it's... Go, go ahead, I Kath. Just, I think it's so interesting because I was just discussing this with um, my middle child, who is now 18, and my youngest, who is almost 16, and uh, they were just saying, "Oh, mom, you know, you just you just always give us an answer, and you don't you don't you don't listen. You're not willing to discuss it." Mm. And I said, "Well, now, okay, hold on, just a minute." And and I said, "One, especially for my youngest, she." The way that she feels as though she has been listened to is if the answer changes from a no to a yes. Then you have to agree with me if you're listening to me. Uh, I hear yes, you on but, that. And so I'm like, okay. I said, so here's the thing. We're going to take a different approach. And I said, from now on, Faith, I will not give you an answer. I will not give you a yes or a no until we have thoroughly discussed it. You agree that I understand what the request is and why you're requesting it. I will then give you my answer and I will be done discussing it with you. And so, you know, it, it's just funny because I think that and I and I think we have a tendency too. it's like, oh, if we don't get what we want, oh, all of a sudden you're not you're not listening because clearly if you understood it as I understand it, you would want to do exactly as I want to do. And it becomes more about about needs. But, you know, I hear exactly what you're saying is, you know, put the phone down, have real conversations thoroughly engage be present and um you we tend to do most of that well you know over the dinner table for us 
and then we we play cards. We have game nights as families, and and we just we play cards, we play board games, and we laugh. I think in any household, we need to have laughter around Gotta the laugh. table because there's plenty of stress, there's plenty of of disappointment in the world, there's plenty of difficulty to deal with. We have to be um, filling our homes with laughter and joy. Mm-hmm, I agree. You know, I love how you said that, Kathy. That would have helped me last night a lot with my conversation with Z about um, about work. And she was so funny. She was like, you know what, Mom? Most kids, most parents would would love for their kid to be working during school. And I'm like, yes, you're right, baby. But I know how much you love to work. And so we have to rein her in um, because her work ethic is just so crazy awesome we have to rein her in to make sure that she's taking care of herself and that there's enough time to get homework done but I kept telling her I hear you I hear what you're saying I hear you that does not change my answer (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I, I understand that and Daniel back to your point I always tell my children I've never had a 16-year-old and a 15-year-old before. So, you know, I'm I'm doing your dad and I are doing the best that we can to walk you through this, but you know, uh sometimes things are going to change from day to day. So get back with us tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I understand that completely. So, Daniel, you know, let's let's step into something that's a little bit um controversial right now. You know, you, you've talked about your parenting and parenting through fears and just your experience what advice would you give parents in helping their friends understand this Black Lives Matters movement? Because mm-hmm. as we look at the organization Black Lives Matter, we want to believe that that is an organization that is true and just and, and that the things that they stand for are moral and uplifting. But as we dig deeper, we understand that the organization itself does not reflect the slogan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how would you, you know, how are you navigating this with your kids? Um, and what advice would you give other parents? Well, first of all, I'm just say it always feels weird to have these conversations as like three white people talking about this. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, sure. I wish we had one of our black brothers here to give us like some balance to the conversation. Mm-hmm. We would um, and bring you in. Hey, I would love that. You know, I think these conversations is important that we all have be open and honest about them mm-hmm. uh, and sharing different perspectives on things. Well, I'll tell you, the other day we were actually walking in our neighborhood and our neighbor put up a sign that says Black Lives Matter. Right? And my daughter's like, why does he have a sign that says Black Lives Matter? And so we had to explain it to my seven and a half year old mm-hmm. who said, well, you know, people, it's it's a slogan and people are putting it in their signs because they feel like there's some grievances. Um, and I didn't know if we used the word grievances with my seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, they have, they feel like there's some things that have not been fair. You know, there's some things that mm-hmm. ha- in the past, they feel like there's some things that still need to change today. And um, that's their way of expressing that those, there's some things that are not fair that are happening in the black community, mm-hmm. and they'd like to see them um, become better. And so, you know, for the vast majority of people, that's what that slogan sort of represents. Like, we believe that, you know, Everyone's, no one's going to argue that all lives matter, right? Because especially as Christians, everyone has made in the image of God regardless of your gender or your skin color or whatever. Um, but certain communities and groups of people have different grievances, and the, and the black community is expressing those. And, uh, and it's important for us to listen to those, uh, those issues. And so we kind of explained that a little bit. But we had to sort of switch back and say, but there is an organization that's taking this perfectly good slogan and that it's standing for some things that are very, very wrong. You know, they believe that a family, an ideal, ideal family of a mother and a father and kids, that that's, that's bad. And they believe in, like, basically uh, relativity when it comes to truth. They believe they're a Marxist organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to say, and they will say, if you don't believe in the slogan, if you don't believe in the organization, then you don't value the, mm-hmm. the slogan, which is a sort of prisoner of two ideas. You know, we can say, listen... We agree with the slogan. We want to emphasize these things that probably need to change. But the organization is, is wrong. It's wrong. And it's sad to see that, that we have to face those two choices. There's a, there's a middle ground. If there's a difference between life and death, too, uh, because other issues come in to mm-hmm. divide that. And mm-hmm. when there is, if there's lack of something in any uh, line of life, then that is becomes a major yeah. part of how you're going to live. And, you know, with the Lord Jesus, that doesn't work that way. No. Mm. 
You know, thanks thanks for your perspective on that, Daniel. You know, we've talked about this many times on this show, and so uh, and just you know controversial things here, but definitely understand your perspective there. You know, we've had a lot of conversations as we're watching the NBA. My son is a you know a basketball nut, and so watching the NBA, and you know they've got the slogans on their jerseys now, and um, just uh, looking for positive voices mm-hmm. in the NBA, which there are many positive voices yeah. there that are standing for change, but in a positive way, e- even glorifying Jesus with their mm-hmm. teammates, which um, I've been very diligent to send those clips uh, to my son as we proceed. Thank you for your perspective on that. Friends, when we return with Daniel, we're going to talk about social distancing and the pandemic and how all this is affecting our kids. And how can we wade through that? How can we deal with that? Some advice from Daniel when we return to Love Talk <laughs> right after this. And welcome back, friends. This is Kathy Enderrock with Love Talk in the studio today. The First Lady of Love, Mrs. Evelyn Davison, and our amazing coach, Carrie Brinkater. We've had a fantastic time with our special guest, Pastor Daniel McGinty from uh, First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. Boy, we have been talking about so many things today, but we've been focusing in on the love of God, the presence of God, and its ability to cast out fear. And, you know, we've talked through the show today about um, the place that God wants us to live. He wants us to live um, in a loving, intimate, personal relationship with him. And that means, friends, that we are not living in a place of fear. So, Daniel, I just want to say thank you so much for these first two segments. I know that we're in our final segment. Friends, if you have missed the first two segments, you can always go to our Love our, our Love Talk Network archives at lovetalknetwork.com, and you can access uh, the show a week after um, it airs. You can share that with friends as well if you'd like. So, Daniel, we have 12 minutes left in our last segment, and we still have some questions for you. Now, I know being being a, a young adult pastor, um, you and, and, and also being a child of missionary parents and growing up overseas, you have seen the church um, do some amazing things. You've seen God work through the church and to change and no transform lives. What what do you think God would be saying to the church today? And, you know, even thinking about the Apostle Paul, mm. if he were writing a letter to the American church today during this season, what would that say? Well, the two big things I feel like that are going on right now are, are both cultural and sort of the pandemic, right? And we talked a little bit about the, the Black Lives Matter and that movement that's going on there. And um, I feel like the Apostle Paul would tell the church, like, listen, Show appreciation for culture. You know, uh, one of the big things they're saying right now is like we shouldn't be colorblind because to be colorblind means to ignore um, someone's culture and what they bring to the table. I feel like they're misinterpreting the idea of colorblind. The idea was I'm not I'm gonna the Martin Luther King thing. I'm gonna judge someone on the content of the character, not the color of their skin, and it's mm-hmm. a, that's a positive thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that we ignore what they bring to the table culturally or ethnic ethnically. Um, and we value those things. But um, but that we judge someone based on the content of the character, which is metaphysical. But we keep we're now being told to judge someone on the on the color of their skin, which I think is racist. Uh, so we have to sort of remind people that we're all children of God. We're all um, we're all made in His image. We're all unique and special, and we all bring something different to the table. So we need to one not ignore where people are coming from, show appreciation for the culture, and listen to what they have to offer. At the same time. Do what the Apostle Paul did in Athens. Said, "Listen, you are. I can tell you guys have got some. You are very religious. You're very. You know, you care about all these things. You have these different statues to all these different gods, and you have one to the unknown god. So he recognized what they brought to the table culturally and and affirmed that, but then directed their passions towards mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think as a church, we need to do both. We need to recognize the 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 strengths that different cultures bring to the table." but then direct people's passions towards the gospel. Like, this is what really matters, is mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And he's the only one that can truly change a person. You know, we, we look to government and politicians to change our world, but I'm sorry, there's only one person that can really change the world, and that's Jesus, because he changes us from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to do kind of take Paul's direction on that a little bit. Um, and as far as, like, the, the pandemic goes, 
you know, I look at Romans eight twenty two verse twenty four, where he talks about all creation groans, right, for the return of Christ, and that our our bodies are broken, this world is broken, and one day God will make it right. And we feel like creation is groaning right now. This mm-hmm. pandemic, everything's just coming to a halt. Things are just feels so broken. Our societies are breaking down. And I mean, even like we're having to learn all these new rules. The church is having to figure, you know, figure out this new paradigm shift in how to do church, but in distance and doing things virtually. And it's it's challenging, but we have to, you know, kind of mentally shift gears and do whatever we can to creatively get the gospel out to people. And yeah. How how can we, those that are part of our big family, how can we um, as a church or not as a church uh, focus on the the best thing for this time? What is the best thing thing for a family? Uh, Church, school, all of these things. How do we handle that with our children? How do we focus their, um, just what is the best thing to focus on right now? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, our kids are used to going to church, right? They're used to seeing their friends and having that sort of interperson friendship, you know, um, fellowship there. Um, and so they don't really have that right now. They don't have school where they can have those friendships. And so we have to, again, sort of get creative about this. And my seven-year-old, like, I'm not a fan of social media. Like, I have to manage our church stuff. But, you know, having kids on social media, not it's not good for them. It's like saying, here, mm. here's some drugs. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's not good for their brain development. Uh, but, we, you know, Facebook Messenger has something that's just for kids where I see everything uh, that they she does. And I have to approve the friends she talks to. And so she's been able to get on this Facebook Messenger for kids where she can, you know, video chat with some of her friends and reconnect and whatnot. Wonderful. Yeah. And so now she's put together all these different envelopes of presents and stuff. And she's gone and, you know, she didn't drive them. Brooke drove, drove to all her friends' house, and she dropped off little presents and stuff Aww. for them. And so, like, this is, we wouldn't normally do this, but you do what you can to try and stay connected mm-hmm. uh, in the ways that we can. Well, and I would say for our family, you know, it, it is hard to stay connected, especially mm-hmm. with the youth group. I mean, mm-hmm. it has been so hard, um, you know, just managing that and making sure that they stay connected. And I, I want to be careful that it's not making my family lazy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because you're forming these new habits now. Oh gosh, I know we uh, we have, and uh, you know our Sunday routine is very different than it used to be. You know, when you're going to Sunday school in your pajamas, basically, <laughs> and you know watching church online. So you know you have to get creative about about ways to to make sure that our kids are still. Uh, learning the gospel, hearing the gospel every single day, that we're praying over them, that we are, um, you know, infusing them with the love of Jesus every single day. The gospel is very communal, right? We need to, the Christian walk is designed to fail alone. Mm. We just can't do it by ourselves. And so fellowship is so key to being encouraged and being challenged in our growth. And so our kids need that too. They need to hear not just from mommy and daddy, they need to hear from other adults, other friends. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just, it's so key. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I think it's so interesting because when we talk about children, you know, I, I always think these young kiddos and I know, you know, our kiddos are getting older and older and being a young adults pastor, um, I know that there are, you know, young girls out there. We have a friend of Aaliyah's visiting, and uh, she says, I, you know, all the boys I meet, all they want to do is party. I just don't know what to do. I think I'm going to have to start dating someone who's 25, so he's past that. And I said, whoa, 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 baby girl. You are 19. You do not need to be dating a 25-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, are you going to young life? Are you going to youth group? Like, where are you meeting these young boys who just want to party? I mean, can we still meet nice people yeah. In the church? I mean, is this still a good place to go? Well, the challenge is, and, you know, one of the challenges I have is, you know, young adults tend to want to go to a church where there's a sense of newness or movement. And so if you have sort of an established church, like for a Baptist church, like we just don't naturally attract that uh, group. Um, and so, you know, where that is happening in the churches that are doing really, um, that are really sort of magnets for young adults, you know, they have good small group fellowships. And that's one of the things I try to do for my young adults mm-hmm. is provide a really safe and open environment for them just to share what they're going through. I call it the judgment-free zone. You know, like we can disagree. Oh. I want you to share what you're sharing. I'm never going to condemn you for what you have to say. Um, but we're gonna, I'm going to always make sure we get back on track. 
Um, and so we've been doing, you know, our grow groups over Zoom, which is good because a lot of people out of town can still join. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we started meeting in person last Sunday. We just met at a lake nearby. That was the park was open. It was in Hutto, and you know, I ordered some Popeyes sandwiches. So they each had their own you know meal. It's all prepackaged and stuff. We just brought our own chairs and sat out by the lake and. We just caught up. I said, we're not going to do Bible discussion tonight. We haven't seen each other in um, over a month. Yeah. Um, so we just caught up, good. prayed for each <laughs> other. And, and I said, well, I, it's 9 o'clock. It's dark. I've I got to go home to my wife and <laughs> do some chores. And I was like, we're staying. And there's Aww, you know, four of them. So like, they just stayed at the lake until about 1130 at night just catching yeah. up and talking. We miss people. We miss community. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very important for us to, to be involved in that. Now, Kathy, what I want you to do is I want you to go back and tell that young lady that, you know, God loves a great party. What he hates is sin. So if those Sin parties, bad. That's right. If those guys are loving to party, but, they, but they're leaving the sin at home, hey, that's okay. Um, I, I heard that from a pastor once and I thought awesome you know what that is true because we have this such negative connotation of party party but Jesus I mean God actually ordained certain parties in the Old Testament he said thou shalt party in my name (laughs) you know (laughs) celebrate what I have done that includes washing feet Daniel we thank you so much for your uh, being with us today we're going to do this again absolutely. absolutely this is kind of fun daniel how can folks get a hold of you uh you can get a hold of me by email at the church which is d as in daniel mcginty as in my name um <laughs> so d mcginty at fbcpville.org and i will say if i can plug this real quick we are starting one of the creative ways of trying to reach people is we're going to be starting a podcast as a church so me and the youth pastor matt downing we're going to start our own podcast mm-hmm. it's going to call thursdays true and trivial talk with matt and mcginty <laughs> And so we're going to have some fun. The goal is just to encourage people and connect with those and maybe tackle a couple of difficult issues uh, that people want us to talk about. But it's going to be a blast and hope to start it here in a couple of weeks. We've already done a couple of test runs, and uh, so we're pretty excited about that. Awesome. Well, and it will be a judgment-free zone. Yes, judgment. Well, actually, I'm going to make fun of Matt a lot. So, <laughs> um, and he's going to do the same, too. Hey, so that's I don't know. okay amongst friends. Oh, and you, our listeners, are our friends. And we thank you so much for joining us for Love Talk every Saturday, 8 a.m. You know you can find us on the lovetalknetwork.com. You can also call us on the love line at 512-249-6535 for my beautiful, beautiful mentor, And friend, I have learned so much from the First Lady of Love, Mrs. Evelyn Davison, my great friend, Kathy Endebrock. I am Coach Carrie Brinkater. We love you so much. Find a place where you can call home. Like Daniel is saying, find a group. They're all over right now, friends. Mm -hmm. And it's right now, it's as easy as the click of a button. Uh, We love you, and we'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.